So hi everyone and a very warm welcome back to episode number six of Matushka's Right Peg, your English language podcast on all things Union Berlin. This is uh, Mark here. I'm deputizing for Wilson as he is on work duties at the moment just for this episode. Now everybody listen, everybody just listen a section. Can you hear it? Can you hear that sound? It's the sound of a new Bundesliga season. My words, what lies ahead? How will the fans see it? How many fans will see it? How will our new football gods in red behave? And all this and more on this episode. Now, it's been a while and we've got a lot to get through. So let's kick off without further ado. We've got Kyle and joining us from sunny Mexico. It's Mr. Baz Timmers as well. Hi guys. Right. The connection to Mexico is going very well. It's reminiscent of David Coleman in 1970, I think. Yeah, but we'll get through it, I'm sure. Baz, you alive? Absolutely. There he is. There's Baz, he's alive. Good, good stuff. Okay, so we have competitive football, boys. We have competitive football and we have seen our first competitive game. A thriller against Karlsruhe in the DFB Pokal in the Cup last weekend. One of many brilliant games uh, in the Cup last weekend, I should point out. So, uh, for any, any of you who uh, who didn't see it, uh, 114th minute goal from new boy Schlotterbeck. And I say new boy Schlotterbeck because it isn't the same one. It's his brother. Got us the win away at Karlsruhe. So, Kaya, uh, take us through this thrilling, thrilling pairing from last weekend. It was honestly the most exciting game I've watched in my life. I'm being sarcastic there. It was pretty, pretty poor. At the same time, it was the it was the toughest game we could have got in the drawer. Karlsruhe with the highest seed and that lower tier, I guess, of teams. So and away from home as well, it's a, it's a tough game to to go and do, and it's a team that only eighteen months ago we were playing against, or even less than that, we were playing in the same division as. The goal itself was a great finish from a centre back, um, fantastic, and fantastic volley, and I think something we can take from it is also that with another new boy, uh, Nico Gieselman, that we've got someone that can whip in a free kick from the left hand side to complement Tremel on the right. Uh, so that's something good to take from it. Luther looked pretty good uh, in goal. Yeah, going forward, we seem to. To be lacking something but that obviously we're, we were missing and we're missing a couple of strikers and we'll do for the next little while as we'll get into but in general uh, you take the win it's we're only starting out we'll take the win uh, and we're in the hat for the, the next round when that gets drawn on Sunday and we see where we go from there yeah I think it's um, not to be underestimated that that uh, away at Karlsruhe is not a not an easy game I mean that there's a lot of very exotic teams in this uh uh in the first round and the majority of them uh were given some fairly big hidings by 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 high league teams and everything so to get Karlsruhe first game obviously not uh not the easiest place to go uh, i think it was testimony as you said uh Kyle that the, the highlights package the highlights package put out by Union was 37 seconds long which i think is uh it, it pretty much tells everything you need to know and the 37 seconds was the was the goal effectively and everything but yeah especially the the the, the whipping from the fact that two the two new guys uh, joined up to the to score that bit's positive Bas, how do you see it? I mean, I, I don't know. I think you were probably enjoying the enjoying the tequila uh, rather than watching us uh, against Karlsruhe. But I'm sure you have uh, some thoughts, Bas. Unfortunately, I'm still not allowed to uh, drink any alcohol after I've got a bad diarrhea and I'm on antibiotics for the next couple of days so thanks for reminding me about that um i i did watch the 37 seconds um highlights actually but two things actually 
got into my mind because Mark, you've been going to Union for a fairly long time as well, and definitely longer than I uh, uh, do. And Union has a tradition of fucking up games like this, um, and we don't seem to be doing that anymore. So I think that is already like a one very big positive um, takeaway. The second um, is that. It's not only about the strikers, but the missing strikers. But what is worrying me um, a bit is last year we were slow starters um, at the start of the season. Um, after the restart um, of the season, after the corona break, we had the same problems against, well, Bayern, but especially against Hertha, where we really, really, really were missing pace and we weren't up to our regular level levels so um that's the only thing that, thing that actually worries me is when are we going to be at the required level that we were i think last year after five or six games yeah i think I, it, it's a valid question isn't it i mean are union traditionally slow starters i don't think we really are i mean it's up and down isn't it i mean i think that's going to be one one of the one of the defining features and everything we're going to be coming eventually in this uh, in this in this episode to our predictions for the season and i think a lot of that depends on how well the new guys uh, how well the new guys gel how well a possible new system without sebastian anderson that's obviously another big topic for this episode as well are we going to explore plan b does uh, does us have a plan B, um, especially going forward? So yeah, it, I mean it's a tough one. It's I think the 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 game on on, on against Augsburg on Saturday, we need to hit the ground running. I think I think we do. I totally agree with you, especially if you look at our program, because I think like the first couple of weeks um, is actually pretty doable and. You know we've got the, the the really big games more towards the end of the uh, of the season, so that's why I am a bit uh, why I am a bit worried. Uh, last year we had Leipzig and we had Dortmund in the first three games, so then it wasn't so much of a problem that we lost some points here and there, and we actually won unexpectedly against Dortmund. You know, um, but this time the program doesn't seem so difficult, so it would be quite a shame if we dropped a lot of points against what you were just saying, the likes of Augsburg, uh, Mark. Yeah, that, that's obviously nothing nothing against Augsburg as well. I mean, everyone says that Augsburg, everyone should be beating Augsburg. I mean, we forget that Augsburg are an established Bundesliga team. I mean, they've been up there for, how long have they been up there? Eight years? I think it is seven years or so. Ten years, I think it is now. Ten years now. Well then. I think we're getting towards established Bundesliga team there, aren't we? I mean, Jesus. I mean, when you look at England, I mean, like, how long were Leeds out the top flight? Like, 17 years or something. And people still think they're big. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I think, I, I still think that at home against Augsburg, that is one of those games that we should be, we should be looking, uh, we should be looking to win. I think. Looking at the program, and we've got Augsburg, Mainz, Freiburg as the first three um, home games. The fourth is against Bielefeld. Um, so it's not like we are in a must win position. But if you want to stay up and if you want to have a solid start to the season from the first four home games, I think you have to get seven or eight points realistically, because uh, that would uh, make our lives much, much easier, actually. And we'll probably talk about it later as well, but Kruse is obviously not fit. Uh, Anderson is uh, gone, and that means that we do have a couple of holes to plug, if that is the proper English expression for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, by no means, I mean, I think we'll look uh, in a little while, we'll look at the, at the window, at the transfer window, at the ins and outs and everything. It hasn't been a bad one. I don't think, uh, but as you say, there are there are some missing links there, especially with uh, with, with with Anderson now. Uh, 
Now in Cologne, um, it's, I think everyone was expecting a, the replacement to be announced today or tomorrow, but there doesn't seem to be any, any rumours flying around about who, we, uh, who, we, who we're getting in replacement. Maybe we won't get a replacement. That's, uh, that would be certainly a risk. Certainly a big risk. With a replacement for Anderson, I'd, like if we had no injury issues at the moment, like if Cruz was fit, if Uya was fit, then I think we'd be looking at this is an okay situation. But it's this next two months or so until Cruz and Uya come back. That's yeah. Can we afford to to not sign someone for, and then play these two months where? It would be maybe Tuchere and Ingvartsen up front, who both are good players, but it would mean a complete change of system if we're playing if we're playing like that. Uh, I gently disagree with um, Kyle here because um, if you look at our squad of last year and especially the strikers up front, uh, we did have Uja, we did have Anderson, and we did have Polter. Now Polter is gone and Anderson um, are gone, and we only have Max Kruse basically as as an equal replacement. So. I think what we still need is um, someone to replace Polter and if possible, you know, a, a better or a more versatile version of Polter. Uh, and going into the season with the squad we have, if everyone's fit, we'd manage. But I think it is up front at least weaker than, than what we had last year. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I don't think there's any argument there for me. Um, we are weaker up front, without a doubt. Even with a with an overperforming Buta last year, uh, a surprisingly good Ingvartsen last year, uh, we were still there were still games where we were relatively relatively not weak up front, but we there were games where the game sort of passed us by up front, and that was why um, Anderson uh, offered something else because you, you basically just got the ball up to him. And he would do something with it. That, that's the thing that we're going to miss. It's not necessarily the goals per se. It's it's the whole package with Anderson. I mean, he won the he won the most headers by a long, long way. I think it was last year in the Bundesliga. He won the most most attacking headers by by fifty percent from the next person or something really, really crazy. So, so that's the situation there. If we do buy somebody or we do, if we do if we do get somebody on board, it has to be almost a like for like replacement for for Anderson. I would say. And those people are very thin, are very thin on the market, I think. If I had to get, if I had to choose one, and it would be like probably, how can you put it, not the best price performance ratio and everything, but I would I would go for Gandvula from 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 Bochum. I think he's he's the closest you're gonna get and everything. Drifts in and out of games, but knows where the goal knows where the goal is. He's exploded in the last two years or so. But the most important thing I think is that the guy is that he's one is one meter ninety one. So he's definitely something different to Uja, to uh, to Ingvartsen, to Buta, to Kruse even up front. Personally, I don't think Kruse is the is the focal point or shouldn't be the focal point there. That I totally agree with you, um, Mark. If you look at his statistics as, as well, um, some people perceive him only as a striker, but his statistics say otherwise, that he's also really good in uh, delivering the final pass, so in giving a lot of um, assists as well. He does seem to be the guy that does not have to be up front. He'd rather play just behind another striker, another, another focal point. That could work actually with, with Uja as well, but I reckon that we're looking for a slightly different type than Uja um, as well to supplement the two. I think I think Uja Uja is uh, a man who's 
a player who's very good facing the goal, I think. But Anderson, Anderson, he was also extremely strong when he was facing away from the goal as well. With the flick-ons, the layoffs and everything, the quick turns and everything, it's not going to be an easy, it's not going to be an easy replacement to replace Anderson, I don't think. One name that, that jumps into my mind right now is Bobby Wood, actually. I have no idea how he is doing, but he seemed to be a perfect fit for Union as well. I don't know, three years ago. Um, so I don't know about his situation, actually. And uh, if he's gone somewhere else, just edit this part out, because then I wouldn't look too stupid. But um, I think he would be a perfect fit for Union in this season as well. Um, I think that the, there's been too much water, personally too much water under the bridge with uh, with Bobby Wood. I mean, I loved him when he played for us. Uh, he, You have to say that he effectively has had maybe two good seasons in his entire career, and one of them was for us. So I think we got we got our money for him, which I think was somewhere around four mil, four million euros. Uh, and I remember back then, it, everyone was saying, oh, it was too cheap. We gave him away too cheap and everything. And then he just went off a cliff for, for at Hamburg. That, that, that's, uh, and I also didn't, didn't do anything in, in, at Hanover on loan either. I mean, maybe, maybe a new change, maybe a new change will do him good and everything. But Bobby Wood was the, he was like almost the fox in the box kind of thing. He, he might be a good player. He might be a good addition, certainly. But if, when it comes to replacing, uh, to replacing Anderson, I don't, for example, think he's that much different to, to Uja, for example, Bobby Wood personally. But anyway, it's an, in, but it's an interesting one. It's, a, it's an interesting idea. I'll forward it to uh, Oliver Runa. If he's not listening. No, I'm sure he is listening. I'm sure he's got his pad out. Oliver Runet and he's scribbling down names uh, that, uh, that that we're suggesting. Uh, I know for a fact that Oliver Runet was listening to our, our goalkeeper discussion, for example, Baz, seen as all 13 goalkeepers that me and you both suggested in the last episode, <laughs> none of which came to Union. And we ended up going for somebody completely that we had no, we had no idea about in uh, Andreas Luther. So, uh, yeah, it's fair to say that given that, that, that Ganvula... Bobby Wood and anyone else that we're going to experiment with uh, probably won't be joining us. Uh, so, in addition to Anderson, of course, then we've had uh, we've had some more ins and outs. There's been nine uh, new nine new players. Uh, there's been a further twelve out. Uh, the majority of uh, which we explored in the last episode. Uh, we've also seen several uh, several of the young players go out on loan as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that we had a we had a, an overinflated team last uh, squad last year. I mean, a lot of people didn't really get the chance, and a lot of those have now gone to pastures pastures new. The ins, how do we see it, guys? Um, I've got a I've got a few um, that there are people that I'm looking forward to to, to watching in Union colours and everything. Uh, Kyle, how um, how do you see it? who who's your favourite of the new boys? I'm really excited to see Keita Endo. Playing for for Union, um, he looked super like when when again announced that he signed. I like I, again, I was on Kurt Sarbright at the time or furlough as it was called here, and had nothing better to do, so just started watching his games. Uh, and he he's he's quick. Uh, he's he's superb on the ball. Um, and like has like a, has really good vision as well. And I think will be a massive asset to to the team going forward. And I I liked how that uh, when he had his first interview with uh, Union, he said that he wants to get into double digits and assists this season which for a guy who's coming into this level for the first time that's 
it's a big statement and if he can back it up by all means we've got an option to buy it it's it seems a brilliant bit of business uh, for this year loan um yeah so really looking forward to seeing him and it's uh it's been a while since I've been really excited for uh like I usually don't have any knowledge of onion players when they sign and stuff like that this is a player where you watch them as like oh he's going to be brilliant to watch not just fitting into a system but he gives that sort of sparkle to a performance which would be really cool to see yeah I think that um a cynical person might say that um, Endo is there to sell shirts in, in Japan, the same way that Atsuda was. He's certainly a good left winger, good attacking, very, very direct, very direct, which is maybe something that was missing um, on some occasions last, uh, last season. Is he strong enough? Is he going to cope with, uh, well, being kicked a lot i know that japanese football isn't particularly physical that remains to be seen he's still relatively young 22 years old and everything but as you say in terms of business it's a no-brainer basically he's um he's here on loan we've got the option to buy if it works out then great if not then not i would say that's uh, uh, that's a, a a good piece of business it, it together with it, it to me it's more that's one of the more with potential that's more of the money ball ones for me like it Baz, what what do you say who 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 um who's your favorites from the new boys my first hunch would be max cruiser but um as mark as an ex goalkeeper you already mentioned and me as an ex goalkeeper as well i'm actually quite happy with the ch- choice of uh, andreas luter because I think he's, he's, he's solid, he's experienced, he's, he might be underrated. What I like about him as well is that he's a completely different type than um, Gikiewicz um, is. I think it would have been a mistake to get someone as extroverted and loud um, as Gikiewicz um, um, is. So I actually think that it's a very risk-free, um, solid signing. And um, I think he's a very good fit to, um, to Union as well. So... He might not make the headlines, but I don't think we've done anything wrong with with that transfer. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that Luta, he looks it looks like a very solid uh, keeper. I was already talking to Kyle about this before. I think he has a slightly different skill set to 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 Gikovic's. I mean, he seems to be more a bit more dominant in the box and everything. Uh, I'm not sure if he's if he's uh, how can I say it's mentally more dominant. Uh, than as Gikovic was. But then again, I suppose anyone outside of a mental hospital is not going to be as dominant as Gikovic was when something goes wrong. So, I mean, there, there, there is that. Will he, be, um, will he be better? Will he prove to be better, just the same, worse? Well, a, perhaps a controversial opinion here, but I think that, um, that uh, Gikovic got a bit of a free pass sometimes last season after Corona. There were some pretty ropey moments there and everything, and I didn't see anybody really calling, uh, calling him out on that, uh, on any of the forums on Facebook, social media or anything like that. I think he, similar to, to, to Parenson, who I absolutely love as well, they, they sort of like let mistakes go by a little bit. He had a lot of credit with Union. And I think that um, maybe Luter will be the best signing in the end. I hope he is. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, but he's not spectacular, as said. Um, when I'm going through the list, and that's what I wanted to add as well, what I'm really happy with in general is that I've always learned that the, the axis, as we say in Holland, of the team should be in order and should be super strong. So whatever happens on the wings, then, you know, can't hurt you um, that much anymore. 
And if you look at our signings, I think in, in, in midfield with Andrich, with Gentner, with Prömel, you know, we're pretty solid. I was happy last year almost every time when we played with three central defenders. Um, so we got Robin Knoche there, who has a lot to prove, actually, I think. So that's always a good thing. Um, and we've got Nico Schlotterbeck, which is another good talent. And if everyone's fit, you know, just have Uja and Kruse up front. That all already makes, you know, a solid six or seven people on the X axis um, of, the, of the team. And then what's happening around that with, with, with the Trimmels, Trimmels and the Grieselmans of this world and Bultra, etc., is not that important for me anymore. I think we've got a really, really solid heart um, of the team, which is a good mix of experience and young, exciting players um, as well, of Uniona and new Uniona. Oliver is obviously not doing a stupid, bad job. He's doing a very solid job. He's not taking too many risks, but he ha has the odd one like Endo. Uh, and all in all, it totally makes sense um, to me. And if he finds a replacement for uh, Anderson, and we're trusting him that he's already prepared, of course, um, then he did a fantastic job, I think, looking at the budget of Union and the current Corona situation as well. Absolutely. In, 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 in Oliver Unit, we trust. Well, that's what we said last last season on the podcast and I think it stays uh, this way as well and um, yeah as you say it's uh, the uh, the spine of the team uh, it, it, it seems to be there it seems to be there Kyle um, what are your thoughts? Yeah like uh, I do agree with Baz saying about the X of the team like uh, we do have a strong solid base and I think that was something quickly jumping back to the Kalsra game I feel like we were missing Andrich uh, for a good chunk of the game and when Andrich came on we suddenly felt a bit more solid uh, another one in terms of the wings who will almost feel like a new signing because we haven't seen him in ages is Akaki Gogia, who was out with a terrible injury last season. Uh, having him back in the team is another option in attack is, uh, is another good thing to have. But um, I think uh, one, one signing that maybe it's not um, because they're going to be the best player or anything for, anything for us, Sebastian Griesbeck, um, another one from Heidenheim, has a history playing with Andrish as well. It could be good if that's, if that's required or that's how we will play a system. But um, he actually scored the first goal I seen at the Alta First Array when uh, we lost 1-0 to Heidenheim in 2017, or May 2017. So it was one where you're like, oh, that's a, a familiar name, and if they can uh, give me something to cheer for this time, then all the better. Yeah, certainly he's um, got a good uh, a, a good engine down the middle, uh, Sebastian Griesbeck, and would I think have fitted in very nicely if uh, they managed to win the win the playoff uh, and uh, for Heidenheim to come up. Um, he was a uh, he was one of their standout performers last year in um, in Bundesliga at Zwei and. And, well, he's managed to get to the Bundesliga as it is, but this time we'll be wearing Union colours. Um, I do think that Nico Gieselmann, that, as Baz was saying as well, that he's, um, I think he's going to be a step up from, uh, from Lentz, um, to be honest. I've, I do like Lentz, with, without a doubt. I, I admire the fact that he went out on loan to Kiel and came back a better player. It's very rare that a player goes out on, on, on loan uh, from Union and is seen again, or certainly seen again for certainly seen again at a better level. And he certainly did that. He knuckled down. Um, 
but uh, pure and simply, he made too many mistakes. And I saw that with naked eyes that left wing was a weakness. Um, the right, we have Trimmel uh, and everything. He's solid every, more or less every week. Um, he's one of the, the, he's a reliable, he's Captain Fantastic and everything like that. On the left, I do like, I mean, I like Lentz. He, he, he won't let anybody down if, when he plays this season without doubt, but I do think that Gieselman is a step up. Uh, yeah, I'll just come in again on Gieselman. Uh, just that, um, yeah, like we've seen against Kalsra uh, that you can bring uh, a dead ball on the left-hand side and that's that's a really good thing to have in, in addition that we're not always relying on Trimmel. We can have a bit of variation from dead balls, which I don't doubt is still going to be a big part of our game, even without Anderson. Uh, we did see that against Kalsra, so it's uh, good to add more... Uh, more weapons to our arsenal, essentially. Hopefully it, wor- it works out and it is that step up because, yeah, I like Lens as well, but mistakes here and there. And I, we want we want to improve the squad. We want to consolidate and improve with uh, us being in the uh, staying in the division and we'll hopefully going to bigger and better things. But um, definitely a, a good a good sign in there, but not one that I would maybe come to mind straight away. Looking at the names that have come in, I have one question for you. What do you think of Cedric Teuchert? From the first game, uh, how can I put this nicely? Uh, Luft nach oben, I think you would say in German. He's got like uh, he's got he's got a lot to do. Whereby I have to say, he really didn't get very much. He really didn't get very much um, support uh, from, from from the others. Uh, I don't think that Ingvartsen had a had a, had a brilliant game either. On that note. Um, largely anonymous, I thought. But, you know, he's a centre-forward. I mean, I don't know in which place he's going to end up. He might end up, sta- he might end up starting on Saturday. So let's, uh, so let's see what's, uh, what, what's happening. I, I couldn't tell you really much, very much about Cedric Teuchert, unfortunately. Yeah, just on Teuchert, it's... The one thing I'll take as a positive from it is that um, he's young. Well, like young in terms of the players that we're signing. Uh, he's only 23. Um, and in theory, that means there's space for him to grow. And he, he does seem to have um, to be a bit quick. But yeah, like you said, the supply wasn't great uh, to him against Karlsruhe. And hopefully that changes in games going forward. Because um, potentially there's a, a chance to to either link up with Cruz or be that, that person that comes on at the end of the game to kind of give a, give a bit of pace to the team at the end when everyone's tired. Yeah, uh, it's an option, certainly. I think one thing that I like about the business that we've done as well is that there's a lot of different options that we can see here. We've already discussed bringing this person on, bringing that person on, doing a front three um, and this sort of thing. It, it, I mean, it's good at the, front, at the front and the back as well. And also what I'm saying, when you talk about ages as well, is that as, apart from Luther, who's like 33, which is like what you would say a perfect age for a keeper almost, um, we, have the, we have the young guns and everything, uh, uh, Schlotterbeck and Endo, young, uh, early 20s, Teuchert, early 20s as well. Max Kruse was the king signing, who's 32. He, he, he doesn't need any introduction at all. But the rest of them, Berta, Who's also who was there obviously last year, but is officially Union now, uh, Union player. Then we've got Griesbeck, Gieselman, Knocker, 27, 29, 28, 28, all in like that's the, the top age for a midfielder. 
and everything. I think we've done we've done very nicely there. Well, another thing that I like about this list is that almost all of them are free transfers. Um, the, we shouldn't be completely naive because there is then in that case probably some sign-on fees that are go going to be paid directly to the player and their managers as well. But all in all, they didn't cost a lot of money. It's pretty much um, risk-free. Um, I agree about the age of the squad. I think it's a very sensible strategy for now. Um, if you want to be the devil's advocate, it's not very much forward-looking as in trying to build up you know, a young team and get talented players on board and try to increase their value and then sell them at a certain point so we can actually grow the club as well. But I think we have to be honest, as long as we don't have the stadium expansion, it's just a matter of survival year by year by year before we can actually make that economic jump where we can invest in better players as well. So I think it's a super, super sensible strategy to not spend too much money um, and have a lot of solid choices not to take too many risks and just try to stay up. Yeah, the, what I do, what you also see when you see the ins and outs and everything is that um, the players who've gone, and we'll come to the players who've gone now, um, is that we have given away or sold or let go uh, a lot of the youth and everything. And this is the this is the trouble when you don't have a second team. I know that there's uh, a variety of reasons why we don't, why we why we uh, stopped that a few years back and everything. Um, obviously, Schlotterbeck is, is 20 and everything, but he's on loan from, from Freiburg. We've got the, our usual uh, people coming from the, uh, from the under-19s as well. Um, essentially, though, the players who we've left, I mean, if you, if you look, I mean, Opperman, the goalkeeper, 18, gone. Uh, Lawrence Dale, midfielder, 18, loaned out to Halle. Uh, then we've got Nikolai Rapp, has gone to Darmstadt on loan. Then we've got uh, Flecker, the Austrian, also a, a young player. He's at Würzburg now. Maloney's gone. Kader is gone. Opmann Akonis is gone. Moritz Nicholas has gone back to Gladbach. These are all like uh, people, these are all youngsters in football terms. And we just can't give them the perspective because we have to stay in this damn division. That's the thing. We can't risk it. And it's sad. We stuck between two. We took, stuck between two. A rock and a hard place there, aren't we? A little bit there. We need to um, to to invest in players that are ready made um, and are ready to go straight away. Uh, and even like uh, Fislak Aslani, for example, for example, who would have had maybe a chance this year, decided to not stay at Union and instead is instead he's playing for Hoffenheim second team now. And that's something that long-term, as you say, Baz, uh, long-term, we have to think about the, uh, the, the family silver a little bit, you know? There have been, one, one thing I will say is that we have got a buyback for Card, I think. We've got a buyback for Flecker and I think a buyback for Maloney as well. So putting the buyback things in there is, is fine. It's relatively low risk. And um, yeah, I agree. It, it's probably, it's certainly the best for the player. Let's just, let's just put it that way. You have to think two ways as well. It's not just what's best for Union, it's what's best for the player as well. For example, Manny, Manny Abdullah, who I absolutely love as a player, he, he also deserves to play. He can't just wait around on the bench for a chance, even though he proved that he could do it last year as well. He came off the bench and looked, looked sharp. He's gone to Braunschweig, who are, uh, who uh, who've just come up uh, to the to the second uh, to the second league, uh, back to the second league again. 
uh, a good team uh, at, with a decent fan base. And he proved last weekend that uh, that he still got it as well because um, he uh, he scored in the cup against someone. I can't remember who that was, but I know that Eintracht Braunschweig won. I think it was a shock. I think it was a Bundesliga team. Anyone uh, anyone else see that result? No, for a fact. I know for a, I, one thing I do know for a fact is that is that uh, there's only one team from uh, from Berlin left in the uh, in the cup. So anyway, that's uh, other, I'm sure other podcasts, other English language podcasts, would make lots of jokes about this. But you know, we've got time is limited here, and uh, you know it's a bit like shooting fish in a barrel. So let's uh, let's move on to uh, let's move on to our next. Oh yeah, one more person, of course, who's left us. Let's not forget, and that is uh, Felix Crows. Oh man, so uh, Kyle, you wanted to uh, you wanted to say. A small ode to wonderful Felix Cross. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Mr. 60 Minutes. Um, it's going to be a shame not to play Cross bingo anymore. Uh, I know a few of us that uh, were doing the Zoom calls in the Geisterspieler last season and that um, definitely... Uh, we did always point out that he would all, uh, maybe only play 60 Minutes or come on as a sub, but at the same time, when uh, when he played for Onyoni, he definitely, tried, uh, like, definitely gave something to us and... Uh, some great free kicks, uh, especially that one the first day of the season when we got promoted. Um, and yeah, um, was was a was a captain um, a couple of years ago as well. So um, yeah, uh, a good servant to the club, and uh, hopefully it all works out from at Braunschweig as well. I, I would keep mentioning them this episode, like um, they can't stay out of the Berlin news this week. But um, yeah. Uh, Wish them all the best and uh, like thanks for the service. But like we mentioned, we we seem to be letting people go at kind of the right time, and um, it's uh, and and that's a good thing because we the squad is still big, and we don't want to have players kicking about that aren't going to play games. Why not get them away and get them on loan? And it's a good strategy to go when we've got a squad as big as we do. I yeah, I fully agree. I mean, it, let, let's be honest. Uh, a footballer like Felix Kroos and everything, he has his uh, he has his positives, he has his negatives, he has his detractors as well. But um, he, I mean, he's twenty nine. It's not it's not an old man by any by any standards in a football terms. He should be playing and he should be playing at a decent level and everything. He does him no good to uh, knock around and come on every once in a while. Um, he, he 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 offered us something last year. I should say it's he offered a surprising amount of something last year. I would say. There were times, um, I mean, he signed, uh, signed a one-year extension last uh, the end of last season. Uh, and I was actually quite surprised because he, he offered something in the promotion season. The season before that, when he was in and out of the team as well, that he, like, I I'd actually didn't know what the idea was with, with, with Felix. I, think, I, I don't think he, we knew his best, his best, um, his best position. We don't, I don't think we really knew how to use, utilize him to the best of his potential. And uh, I think he, he, he was not, he was just um, part of the team, obviously, but not really setting any sort of accent. And yeah, I, I mean, like I said, like the guy and everything, hope he does well with you. I'm with you on that, Kyle, as well. Um, and uh yeah, we'll have to find some other way of uh, gambling away our euros, apart from 
saying that Felix is going to be substituted on 60 minutes. Baz, any uh, any comments on uh, on wonderful Felix? Well, you almost make it sound like he was a mascot in the last two years. Um, but I do agree with you that he actually surprised me last year um, when he did play uh, because he could keep, keep up with the pace. And I thought he wouldn't have that in him, you know, first league pace. So uh, in that sense, he surprised me positively. I can understand the decision, though, to, um, to let go of him because if you really want to grow your team and if you want to have a different style of play, I'm not convinced that you want to build it um, around Felix. Uh, we invested in different kinds of players. We said no to Kroos. We said no to um, Smiedebach. Um, and um, yeah, for me, it makes sense. So I do wish him all the best. I do think that he's a great League Two player and he should be playing for the next five years for hopefully like real nice team still and um, get successes left and right. But um, yeah, I think that it's a good decision to um, to let go of him. Yeah, and I think it, 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 you're absolutely right. It is the right decision everything. One thing as well that I think that I know that I personally will miss is the fact that uh, Felix Gross had the worst player introduction video on the uh, on the scoreboard. He like sort of went sort of like for the wink kind of thing. And I'm sure he was trying to be raffish, but he came across as being a cross between some sort of weird stalker and someone who was having a stroke, basically. So um, we'll have to find another, another, we'll have to find another comedy, uh, an, an, another comedy scoreboard person for next year as well. Well, he does have a very dry sense of humor, almost British, uh, um, I'd say. And, um, um, he definitely, I think, uh, ha is even more humorous than he has qualities on the pitch. I'm not so sure about that, but he has he, he, the, the podcast with his brother. That is, that is a good listen as well. You, you should, uh, if we could, maybe, maybe we'll recommend each other's podcasts. We'll recommend one by two professional footballers, one of which is a World Cup winner. And they, in turn, will recommend this. Well, that's the dream anyway. So With the real experts. What, yeah. what might be an interesting subject to explore as well uh, in some podcasts is um, all the Uniona that have left us in the last couple of years. Because apart from T-Rod, I can't recall anyone that actually improved when, when he left Union. You know, even local favorites like Björn Jopek or uh, Chrissy Quiring or uh, Patrick Kohlmann or you know all those people that were like local favorites but in the end I think in almost all of the, these cases Union made the right call and these players actually got worse when they left Union which is a fascinating thing to actually see you know because there are clubs where 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 players just die almost you know yeah. they don't perform anymore at Union um, if you fit in, you're actually overperforming most of the time in most of the cases. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, this has been this has been the case actually for for, for quite a while. Is that uh, it's not like we have like one or two good players uh, and everything. They get sold. They go on to better things. They go and win the World Cup or anything like that, and we're left with nothing. It's actually the other way around. We've actually 
taken money for for we've taken money for Bobby Wood, we've taken money for Colin Kwana. Yeah. For example, we have cashed in, we have taken the banker's offer at the at the at the we've said deal or no deal, we've said deal at exactly the right time. And I mean, I don't hope that uh, Anderson is a, is a failure at, at Kern. I, I do wish him all all the best. He uh, took us up from the second from the second league to the first league, and then kept us in the first league. He was my it was my player of the season, according to the last episode of the podcast. So I don't by any means wish him ill in Kern. It's a bit of a strange place to go. I have to say, Kern is a very strange place to go for someone. But nonetheless, I don't wish him ill. But you know. It could be that he reached. It could be that he topped out at Union. We'll never know. It could be that Geekovic topped out at Union. You never no. know. Not impossible. So anyway, our game in Augsburg will be watched by fans. Spectacular stuff. Five thousand, five thousand fans. Five thousand season ticket holders. Every well, not everyone. A lot of uh, season ticket holders will have put their name into the Tom Bowler pot and everything, and then got the emails uh, on Tuesday. Uh, you're allowed in. You're not allowed in. I tried um, and failed. Uh, two of the guys in the group tried and won. So it seems to be a bit more chance than the game against Hertha, for example. That seems and the, and the game against Bayern last year for the non uh, for, for the members for the non-season ticket holders. But anyway, 5,000 fans. We saw against uh, Nuremberg in the, in the friendly that it can work. Will it work in league games when it's actually worth something, when there's more of an atmosphere? Uh, will we descend into the sites from around the grounds like we saw against Rostock and Dresden where people were maybe not maintaining such social distancing to their neighbours? And uh, yeah, last but not least, what about our ultras? Baz, what do you have to say? When I left for my trip a couple of weeks ago, um, we all agreed that it was unthinkable that there would be any spectators inside of the stadium before Christmas. So let's just, you know, count our blessings that a couple of thousand people are, uh, are allowed in. Um, what I'm expecting, um, I expect it to uh, go pretty smoothly for one or two games at least because everybody will be really disciplined. And then after that, probably... Uh, we, will, we will see some um, problems with social distancing, with wearing face masks and stuff like that. But that, I think, is like general, natural human behavior. Um, I think it's really good for Onion to get a sense of normalcy again. Uh, 5,000 spectators. The first time I went to Onion in 2003, uh, we barely had more than 5,000 um, spectators as well. So it's not that bad no it's not going to be as noisy as it usually is but um i'll happily accept that for at least a couple of um for a couple of um of matches uh, regarding the ultras uh, so they announced that they are not going to support the team um as long as we don't have uh, a capacity crowd um that does make sense to me as well i can understand them uh, it's consequential uh, but their decision doesn't have to be uh, the decision of other people as well. So um, I wish all the people that are going to the stadium uh, the best of luck and um, a lot of fun as well. It's going to be really interesting because the dynamics are going to be completely different. And last year already you sometimes notice that the, the Gegengerade, so which is like the, 
opposite of the main stand, which is at Union also all terraces, sometimes had its own opinion as well and started its, its, its own songs. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what's happening, who's going to start the songs, which songs are going to be sung and stuff like that. Um, and whether that change in dynamics is going to uh, be sustained when the ultras are going to be back. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that, isn't it? Because uh, it was almost as if, I mean, by and large, the the capos start the chant and everything then one side starts and then everyone catches on and at the end it goes around the stadium then it goes down and and so on and so on it's like like it, it's going to be literally it's going to be literally five or ten people starting every single uh, every single chant and also we have to we have to hope that these five or ten people all find themselves in the same area because you have to book this, you have to book a section as well now that you have that, that you stand in. There's none of this free mingling anymore. Uh, as far as I understand, there's there's dots painted on the floor, and you go in a sector to a free dot. Now, I can't. I don't know how that's going to work in terms of uh, in terms of standing next to each other. I don't know how that's going to work in terms of if we, if us guys in the Union in English group, if we all turn up. If there's certainly not going to be this uh, ten minutes before ten minutes before kickoff squeezing in, like we all enjoyed uh, every two weeks, uh, it's going to be a it, it's going to be a a strange one. I think I agree with you that it's going to be well disciplined, and then it's going to go gradually tits up, just like everything does. Uh, I mean, let's just hope for the best. I mean. What I do agree, what I do think is, is good, is that Union have always been proactive in trying to get a solution. There's so many clubs and everything that are like, oh, no, 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 no fans, no fans till October. Oh, no fans till 2021. Oh, woe is me. What are we going to do and everything? And the fact that these clubs are the ones with 80,000-seater stadiums and everything, it's like, well, Crimea, bloody river, seriously. Look at the people with look at the teams with uh, with mostly uh, with mostly terracing, like Union, and the fact that the DFL have then said, yeah, okay, in exceptional cases, clubs with a concept which Union has made, and clubs that have uh, and, and clubs that have terracing, can have a limited limited capacity, but they are allowed in to stand. I think that what Union did, Union did. That there is the best part of the whole thing. It's not about just getting, about getting fans in and watching Union again. It's about the fact that Union are being so proactive and are being so, like, sticking it to the man. DFB, DFL. That's what I like the most. Yeah, like, I, obviously with it being season tech holders and that, it's going to be quite a while before I get over. But um, I've, like, I've said this before, it's... Uh, like I, I don't feel it's my place to be going to the stadium over a season ticket holder. And as much as yeah, I'd get a season ticket if they became free, they're not at the moment, and that's just how it is. So, it's good to see fans back in the stadium. It's uh, it's good looking at the Nuremberg game that they were making noise and they were singing songs and um, and that the the atmosphere was. I was kind of shocked that yeah, we're only a quarter of the stadium capacity really, but there's still quite a big atmosphere um there and that was good to see and hopefully that continues this weekend um 
yeah, it seems that Onion have always tried to do do it well, do everything they can to make sure that they get fans back in the ground again. And as much as the initial concept when it came out of uh, testing everyone twenty four hours before the game sounded a bit crazy, they were trying. And eventually, this trying has got to a place where we can get this exception from the DFL and uh, and have five thousand fans at the game. And yeah, we won't have uh, certain fan groups and the ultras and stuff like that there, but there'll still be a good atmosphere because Onion, regardless of um, of the ultras and that, will still always sing songs and will still always um, make some noise. And you know that any train when you're going back into 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 Berlin or wherever after a game, people are singing songs and they're not necessarily ultras, so they'll just do that in the ground now. And we might hear some different ones that the ultras don't sing uh, so often. Um, when when we play Augsburg on Saturday and going forward, um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to or it has to go to those who designed this concept and the the kind of dots and the terracing and spacing everything out and uh, they've done they've done some great work and getting to the DFL and the DFB to kind of change their stance on this is quite a big achievement for a club like ours. I must agree with that. And what I like most about it is that, um, I mean, in, in my humble opinion, um, Union sometimes has the tendency to, you know, always play the victim and to complain a bit and always behave like, like we're the little ones. Um, but in this case, we were actually forerunners when it was about devising concepts to let people into the stadium. We, we weren't like complaining and moaning what Mark was uh, saying, but we were actually working on an, uh, an alternative. And um, no, I don't think that that concept was good. Maybe we should have talked with the politicians before as well, so we would have been sure that it would have been um, signed off immediately. But all in all, at least, we had a concept, we had ideas, um, and I think we actually, in this case, managed to uh, change the discussion uh, in the right direction. And personally, I really like it to have kind of this fuck off attitude. Probably you have to edit that word out, um, um, Kyle. But um, uh, when the authority said that we were going to have to postpone the concept until the end of uh, October, Union just said, okay, then we'll just have the current regulations. And they say 5,000 people in without any tests, end of discussion. And I think that that was actually a very clever move because we were actually beating them with their own weapons. Yeah, sure. Uh, th that's also that's also a good thing that they've remained fluid throughout this whole thing. They did start with this concept, which was uh, which was like twenty, thirty pages long and everything like that. How to get twenty two thousand people into the stadium, even in Corona times, and that what somebody might say is ambitious. Other people would say, well, it 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 would never it would never work even even the even union fans would say ah that'll never work and everything everyone 22000 people getting tested and getting into the ground and getting to the ground and from the ground and to the toilet and from the toilet and so on and so on was like almost like this is what we can do if you really really want to do it and then when it, when when everyone said no chance and michael muller which isn't like him, of course, said no chance straight away, as he does to virtually absolutely everything. Um, then they said, okay, fine. As you said, Baz, they said, okay, fine. We hear you. We'll change it. We'll modify it. 
and we'll come back to you. And that way they've got the 5,000 there. If they came out straight away and said, we want to stand up 5,000, here we are. I think that, that way around is from a, from a psychological, from a business point of view, not quite optimal. We have gone, we have gone for, the, for the moon and then gone back on it and everything like that. And we've, we've said, and we've, and we've overperformed what we expected in the end. That's the ultimate thing. And this time, I really like, really like what's, uh, what Union have done. Union, like I've said this before in the podcast as well, Union are not perfect with the, with the way they do things. They're not perfect with the way they communicate with fans and everything. I have my problems with them and everything. But in this case, most definitely Union have, uh, have definitely done it well. I have to totally agree with you here. And we can all just sit back and wait until science is going to deliver a vaccine. But until then, it might also take another one or two or three years. Let's hope not, but we need a solution to this. Um, and I know from some insiders that Union has been seriously talking to a lot of companies that are working on uh, rapid tests for uh, Corona, which is like really, really forward thinking. And I really like that. Um, a friend of mine who is an inventor is working on a rapid test as well which you can do on your own and you will have the result within 10 minutes. Cost will only be one euro per test. If that gets admitted by the German um, pharmaceutical organization or authorities or no idea what, what the name of that is, um, that would be a solution for stuff like this as well. But just the idea that Union is talking with parties like these is, um, is actually a great idea and um, it's very unexpected from our sometimes a little bit old-fashionedly um, club. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think, um, and of course, all this innovation and everything, all of this, all of these attempts are good for society in general and everything. I mean, we all, we all like concerts, we all like theatre, we all like cinema, we all like clubbing. Some of us like clubbing. Okay, Baz likes clubbing. Let's let's narrow it down. Um, and um, various other things and everything. And I think that for society as a whole, we have to try to fight back a little bit against, uh, against this because this, as you say, it's not going away. The whole Corona discussion is something for a different podcast for a different day, but, um, but getting people a sense of normality and you have no, no idea how much union brings a sense of normality to people's lives there in that case it is literally life for some people literally i have to add to that as well mark um yes we have to fight um for this and the wholesale solution of uh, politicians in the last couple of months to just say no to anything resembling a football game or a bigger concert or a festival is not a solution as well and it's not a long-term strategy um, um, as well and I think it's actually really really hard I mean I do understand that if you want to go to the Festsaal Kreuzberg you know which is a small venue with 500 visitors that you keep that close I can understand that but saying no basically to to bigger concerts to bigger football games stuff like that it cannot last. So it's really good that we uh, push the discussion forward uh, on this and we actually open the door. 
Sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure the feeling that I have going to going to a festival, for example, or going to a or going to a to, to a punk fest uh, concert in in Cassiopeia, for example, like that. I can't imagine that just yet. I can't imagine that without a without a vaccine. And by extension, I can't really ima- I can't really imagine going to that it's going to be such a weird feeling when we're all crowded into the first again all together with with or without masks or whatever but just that shit that sheer bodily closeness to other people and everything we had it every two weeks uh we had it every two weeks and if we went clubbing or or, or to or, or to a concert or anything else or festivals more than every two weeks and we haven't had it for like six months, and it's going to be really, really weird. I think in the end, it is. And I'm not talking about full capacity as well, but we really have to do something and start to test the limits. What makes sense and what doesn't make sense? Um, are the risks in the open air, as in the outer first rye, more or less? Uh, are they um, are, are they almost zero? Or are they almost as big as in a closed venue like the Cassiopeia or the Fessel Kreuzberg, um, as you mentioned? Even the scientists don't really know. You know, they have a hunch. Uh, and of course, you don't want to have 5,000 guinea pigs sending them into the stadium. But um, it, it makes common sense to try this first with 25% capacity to see if there's any follow-up infections or whatever, if people behave um, um, or not. You know, and then you can slowly turn up the dial and see how far you can go. We have to do and try something. Yeah, I I agree with you as well. I think uh, you, what would you what would you say is like a like a a decent result and everything in two weeks? If we look back, sorry, two weeks from Saturday. If we look back two weeks from Saturday, are we looking at a huge breakout from an Union game? Are you looking at one or two people? getting infected on the other hand do these one or two people go and infect another entire school class of people and shut a school down for example like this this is the things that this is all the things that we have to do and i do hope that uh i do hope that it works i think and we're coming to the predictions for the season i do think that this is uh that this might not only go in one direction i.e more and more people i do think that we might end up going down as well to lockdown again as in lockdown from from football i hope it's not the case but i think it's all on the table for me going into going into this season it's going to be it's going to be different and my my team here in scotland celtic have had games postponed because of uh, coronavirus and well not really. It was a player broke the protocols and went to Spain for a night, uh, so Celtic couldn't play two games. Uh, one of the most ridiculous things I've heard. But to an extent, you probably you might see these things during the season where players um, can't play because they've become infected, and it might be a case of they picked up in the shops and stuff like that. Essentially, just be treated like a, another injury, and hopefully, through all this, we can maintain that the safety of the fans and the players and everyone that's involved in football and thus the wider public that uh, football isn't a, a, a vehicle for the virus to spread again that that's the biggest fear but hopefully the all the measures that have been put in place we can uh, 
continue on and enjoy it because yeah football it's great to to have it there as like a personal thing and like it's something that you can look forward to during the week it's like oh we got an own young game this weekend like it was uh it's, it's good to have like a game there against Carlsruhe to to be excited for again um and yeah uh ho- hopefully this season it's um we the stories stay on the pitch and and stay positive on the pitch and we're not distracted by stuff off the pitch uh through through corona yeah we, we've already Don't had a re- we've already had a case in fact with uh with corona um last year the celebrations remember that trimmel trimmel got done of course for for uh, fraternizing with the fans outside and had to take a test and everything i'm sure i'm sure that we uh, this is not the first time that this is going to happen. That a coronavirus outbreak uh, has uh, has basically screwed the the, the 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 starting lineup. It's as you say, it's just like an injury almost. It's just like an injury, and um, I mean, you were just saying before podcast about how all of St Mirren's goalkeepers in Scotland, all of St Mirren's uh, goalkeepers have corona. I mean. Well, <laughs> that's one way of uh, that's one way of getting an emergency loan in for a goalkeeper, I suppose. But uh, yeah, that's the that that's the situation. Certainly, uh, certainly off the pitch and everything. And and uh, will it be a distraction? I hope it certainly isn't a distraction. But when you take all of it into account, taking take Corona into account, take take the atmosphere into account, take how where people have strengthened, where people have not strengthened, take the the squad strength and everything like that. Uh, where where do you see what 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 are your predictions on the field? Where do you see us in uh, assuming, of course, that the season goes ahead of uh, goes ahead as planned? Where do you see us in uh, in May at the end of May next year? Uh, I hope, like I mentioned uh, at the end of last season, I hope that we we stay up. I hope we have a good cup run. That's kind of my main hopes for this year and a home cup tie, but qualify that with a home cup tie with a full capacity uh, stadium behind us. Um, in terms of where we finish in the league, um, I would like to draw attention to uh, a chart from uh, Goal Impact, uh, at Goal Impact on Twitter. Uh, they do uh, an expected points chart for the season uh, and uh, it had Onion as the sixth highest team in it. Uh, now, maybe that's a bit fanciful, um, but Look, if that if that chart was right, yeah, I'd be in dreamland. But <laughs> um, no, nah, for the season ahead, yeah, mid table again would be great, um, and some improve some improvements, and not having a couple of games or not having those games where we kind of chuck it away and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, a bit of improvement, a mid table finish, and yeah, a nice cup run, and why not why not try and win the cup? Yeah, that's a very, very optimistic start. Uh, Baz, what, what about you? Or how do you see it? Well, I think Kyle got his statistics before uh, Anderson left. Um, but um, apart from that, it is a bit of a cliche, but um, if you look at the history of the Bundesliga, it's super important that you get a really good start. So if we get through the first three or four games, like we did last year as well, by the way, um, and we don't end up with a bad run like Werder Bremen and, and, and teams like that, that I'm extremely confident that we're going to uh, be pretty much 
mid-table, somewhere between the 10th and 13th uh, place, actually, because then we don't have a lot of stress and we can build up the game the way we like it. Uh, and then I'm not that worried. If we do have a super slow start, and with a super slow start, I mean like two points out of the first four games, we'll talk again in a month. But then I would probably already be really, really worried. Okay, I think that's I think that's 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 fair enough, isn't it? I think mid table is mid table. Carl said mid table would be happy with Baz. You said uh, mid table you'd be happy with as well. And and ultimately, I have to say that if you're looking at hopes and uh, hopes and predictions, that mid table is pretty much pretty much our our level, isn't it? I mean, um, what I would say is that we saw both on TV after after the lockdown, and we saw in the stadium. Uh, like this was like this big adventure and everything was the first the first Bundesliga season. And when we got there, we realised really how many absolutely bang average teams there are in the Bundesliga. There are the the, the mistakes get punished more frequently, and also the uh, the moments of individual quality are there from from the players uh, from the teams in the in the, towards the mid table. But I'll be honest with you. Apart from the the ones the 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 top four or five teams, so we're talking Bayern, Dortmund, Construct, uh, Leverkusen, probably as well, maybe maybe Gladbach, as well. If you take if you take those out and everything, really there are a lot of parallels in each of those teams. I don't think that we should be going in uh, to this season with any degree of fear after seeing them last year. Of course, they know how we play now as well, though, on the other hand. So it's going to be an interesting start, as you say, Buzz. I'd like to see it in a month and see where we are. But I think that we'll do what we always do. We'll have a good run. We'll have a bad run. We'll have bits where we're flirting with the, with, with the bottom a bit and then maybe pull away and everything. I don't think that will be threatening Europe, but equally, I don't think we'll be anywhere near down the bottom. He says with hope. Okay, and that wraps up episode number six of Matushka's Right Pick. Um, on behalf of uh, Kyle and, uh, and Baz, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. It really is greatly appreciated. Um, of course, uh, if you want to subscribe to us, uh, we're available on most good streaming platforms and some crap ones as well. What we do have, though, and this is very important, that after 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 literally months of Kyle getting on the getting on the nerves of people at Apple, it's a victory for the it's a victory for the small man. We are now live on Apple Podcast. Everyone, everyone. Hold your applause. We are live on Apple Podcasts, so do subscribe to us there. And of course, uh, you can also find us, as always, on Twitter under Union in English. Uh, and there we'll be having some uh, more posts. Be, we'll be more active there in the coming weeks. We're going to have uh, we're going to have some fancy football in there. We're going to have uh, Rita Koila on tour there. Check out the hashtag on our on our Twitter page for more information on that and. Uh, the mystery will be revealed. So that's all for tonight. Thanks again for listening. Here come the valets. Thank you again, the valets, for uh, letting us use your song. Take it away. No, sir, no,